Welcome to the Bible and Me podcast from Precept UK. Being a Christian charity based here in the UK focused on helping you to know God deeply to live differently, we have discussions with some of the greatest modern men and women of God about how their relationship with God's Word, the Bible, has transformed their lives. If you are encouraged by any of the messages in this podcast, it would help us out enormously if you could leave us a review. Or better yet, get involved with God's Word for yourself at precept.org.uk. The opinions and views shared in this podcast do not necessarily reflect that of Precept UK. Now, without further ado, here's Nigel with the latest episode. Well, hi, everyone. Uh, I am I am very delighted, I have to say, to welcome Bruce Kuhn to the programme today. Uh, Bruce grew up in the US and after a degree in journalism and a master's in professional acting, has spent most of his career doing exactly that. He is an incredible actor. He sings and dances and does it so well that he has actually appeared on Broadway. He has an amazingly... I would say supernatural ability to perform solo on a stage reciting vast swathes of scripture, including the books of Luke, Mark's gospel, amongst other books of the Bible. He loves reading history and biographies, has scuba dived off the Great Barrier Reef, wouldn't you love to do that? And he's motorcycled across the USA. Another thing would be amazing to do. He's married to Hetty, and together they have a son, Fritz, and a daughter, Julia. Bruce, welcome to the Bible and Me podcast. Thanks. Um, Bruce, how did you come to faith in Christ? And why do you follow Jesus? Yeah, yeah. The short answer is uh, Josh McDowell, who was, maybe still is, an American evangelist. But in the late 70s, he was going around college campuses. And I attended a talk of his called The Resurrection Hoax. And I knew it was the Christians. And yeah, they wanted me to be a Christian. Not interested. Thank you. Funny t-shirts, weird way of talking. (laughs) But I attended this talk. And after two hours, he convinced me, uh, logically, the only way I would recognize any kind of truth as a modern thinker, of course, you know, has to be provable, he uh, convinced me that uh, the resurrection actually happened and that there was enough uh, circumstantial evidence to prove it in a U.S. court of law, which uh, really impressed me at the time. And uh, that was the, was the uh, doorstep to uh, getting on my knees later and saying, if you're really alive, if you really rose from the dead, then you're there now when you can hear me. And if that's true, then I'd like to make contact. And I'm sorry for anything I've done that has stopped this contact, but yeah, help me out here. And I had this classic, classic religious experience. I didn't realize at the time, but uh, yeah, I, I mentioned Stephen Lawhead, the science fiction writer who put it so well, it was like a blind minnow bumping against a whale (laughs) and it's like I don't know what that was but that was not human and it really liked me and I made contact and tears and laughter and uh all I mean the whole range and uh yeah so that was an amazing experience. I didn't realize how classic it was till later. But uh, yeah, the reason I 
keep following him besides this initial experience. Uh, yeah, a couple of years after Les Miserables on Broadway, I was ha, doing the Gospel of Luke in a chemistry lab lecture hall at William and Mary College in the US. And after the performance, the student said, so uh, what's it like having done Les Miserables on Broadway and now doing the Bible in a chemistry lecture hall at a university? And that really summed it up for me. And I heard myself telling him, uh, Broadway was terrific. You know, wear the brag rag, the jacket, and lots of status, a whole lot better money ah, than the scripture, right? Status, all the, all the stuff, all the good stuff. But the reality is, if this is true, if Jesus is who he said he is, I can't be doing anything better with my life than letting other people know. Mm. So that's why I keep following. Yeah, unbelievable. I just want to take you back. What? So you were you were not a Christian. You were skeptical. Oh boy! Why did you go to that evening with Josh McDowell? And and ah. and and the other thing is, how did you you sort of went from skeptic to oh my goodness me, this is reality. oh boy, oh I mean what yeah. was it? What so what got you there? And and what was it about what Josh said that that really got you that sort of stopped you in your tracks because there may well, be people listening to this that may have a similar view to you you know that they sort of heard about jesus but they're, they're not really you know so there must have been something well i remember vividly uh the public relations campaign for a month ahead of time it said josh is coming and you'd <laughs> see this in this what who yeah and it you know, it started getting, and finally the posters started coming up and it showed him with a picture of a mummy under one arm sneaking out of a cave, right? And it's like, ah, oh, I know these are Christians, but man, this is like, this is exactly what I thought of the resurrection. It's a hoax. So the resurrection hoax, okay, I know, okay. <laughs> so the, um, the wonderful public relations, the speaking into my doubts and confirming them by saying, we know what you're thinking, check this out, had me going, all right, this is worth an evening. Yeah. I'm willing to check this out. And it was the late 70s and I was, you know, well, briefly, ha, uh, I was going to uh, a denomination called Lukewarm Presbyterian. You may have heard of it. Yes. <laughs> So I'd been attending Sunday school class for years. It turns out my parents wanted to give me a choice, which is like, what does that mean to an 11 year old? That means you don't have to go if you don't want to. I don't want to, <laughs> easy. But before I left, I asked my Sunday school teacher, how do we know this Jesus guy isn't a myth like Zeus or Odin? She couldn't answer. And I was like, hey, I'll take the guy with the lightning bolts if we're going to choose our myths, you know? So late seventies, I was all into, you know, American vague Buddhism and Hindu and, you know, being open-minded and, but not committed to anything, you know, and uh, meditation was just starting to be big and I wanted to be spiritual, but not, you know, I didn't want anyone to tell me what to do. Of course, you know, 
very American. But yeah, so I was being open-minded, thankfully, but definitely not interested in committing to one spirituality over another, especially if it wasn't my personal choice, of course. Yeah. And it was it was clearly what Josh said and the way that he communicated that that night that really got you thinking. Well, he's he's a very good communicator, but interestingly enough, his arguments had holes in them that I didn't know about till later. And that sort of logical argument about evidence, uh, I was ready and it was a good argument. But there are holes in that argument that I came across later. And because my faith was based on logical argumentation, when holes were put in that argument, uh, my ship started to sink. Yeah. I went through a serious faith crisis yeah. because those arguments are not foolproof. Yeah. And only later I realized, my goodness, who cares if there are different numbers of angels at each resurrection scene in the gospel? Uh, somebody rose from the dead. Yeah, yeah. Who cares how many angels there were? But at the time, that mattered. I was a real non-Christian fundamentalist. Yeah, yeah. And I switched that over to my Christianity, and I almost got shot down. Wow. Well, we'll talk about that as we go through. Now, give us a little bit of a taste of your upbringing, um, home, school. Uh, you know, what was that like? Right. Uh, yeah. What do you say in public? Um, my parents were damaged and they did the very best they could. And uh, my mom put it really well. She said, my stepmom, she said, uh, uh, we have not treated you nearly as bad as we were treated. Hmm. So it was an upward spiral. And I've treated my kids better than my parents were able to treat me. Mm. So I think that's maybe the most positive way to, to what I think for modern standards might be an emotionally abusive, somewhat alcohol flavored upbringing. Okay, okay, so, yeah. so quite, okay, sure, sure. Well, that's very gracious and diplomatic of you. Now, yeah. in the late 70s and early 80s, you gained a degree in journalism and right. underwent professional actor training. And in your summer, spent time singing, dancing, doing outdoor drama, that sort of stuff. Uh, what, what attracted you to the dramatic arts? Oh, I was a nerdy high school student. And one weekend... I became the high school musical star, which is huge for a 16-year-old nerd, okay? All of a sudden, the pretty girls knew my name. Whoa, I like this. And too many people were telling me, oh, you can be a professional. And I was like, oh, yeah, right. But I wanted to be a writer, and my parents would pay for a journalism degree instead of ah, the first most useless degree. I got the second most useless degree, right? <laughs> But it was only after it was in the middle of journalism school that I realized, wow, I, I really do enjoy theater and maybe people will actually pay me for it. Wow. 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 So 16, it was like like you what you did something at 16. Oh, oh to accomplish something. My goodness, because I was on the bench for football, soccer, they call it in the U.S., uh, 
you know, I was a mediocre pole vaulter, you know. Uh, right. But all of a sudden I was like the musical star. That was huge for me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Success at an early age. Yeah. Amazing. Now, as a young actor, fresh out of training, you played the Gospel of Luke, a one man show of pure scripture. Right. At one of the top American reparatory theaters. Yeah. I've got a few questions related to this, if I may. Sure. First of all, how did it come about? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, short version. I asked a stage manager if she wanted to come to a Bible study, and she had aerobics that night. But uh, she said, you know, John Jury, the artistic director, is considering doing this Bible thing that had been on Broadway with Alec McCowan, and uh, you should talk to him about that. So after a rehearsal for an, another show, it was a repertory theater, uh, I'd approached John and said, if you're going to do this Bible thing, wouldn't it be nice if it was done by somebody who thought it really happened? <laughs> you know, from, from an actor's point of view, of course. And the, uh, the Shakespearean actor was very grateful not to have to do this. <laughs> so he gave me, so John gave me the job. Okay. Oh, so it was just a regular part of the season. Yep. Alec McCowan had done it on Broadway very successfully, not a Christian. Uh, they made a heap of money, you can imagine, filling an off-Broadway theater, 500 seats a night, and one actor on the payroll, wow. yeah. Yeah. and no copyright. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Now, where, where in the U.S. Um, was it, and how many saw your performances do, doing this Gospel of Luke uh, at that time? Oh, um, uh, sorry. Yes, uh, it was uh, Actors Theater of Louisville, yes. Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, uh, it was eight shows a week uh, for a month. We extended the run. So whatever, it was a 200 seat theater and we were pretty full most every night, if not sold out. Mm. So several hundred. But I mentioned earlier that uh, I, I since went into, uh, went on staff as an actor for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, uh, IFES, uh, uh, oh, I forget the name in the UK. I um, think it is IFES, the same. It is. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, so I toured for three years to American universities. And, you know, at Princeton University, they slashed the um, advertising budget, because of course it was religious, who would come to it? So only eight people showed up. Nobody knew about it, right? Even though it was a regular part of their theater season, come on, they hired an equity actor, but only eight people showed up. But then the next night I flew to California at University of California, Berkeley, 1200 people per performance. And there were three performances. And I mean, it was that's, what the three years were like, you know, <laughs> audiences of five people and then a thousand people and then 400 people and then two people. And it was, it was crazy, crazy, it was crazy and wonderful and exciting. And the burnout for Jesus tour was great. <laughs> now, how, how did you memorize? How, uh, how do you, how do you, in, you know, obviously there are all sorts of techniques, but how do you memorize vast swathes of scripture? Yeah, I can't. Uh, I don't do memorization well at all. <laughs> doesn't fact, look I, like that, though. <laughs> well, I know it doesn't look like that, but 
uh, here's quick story. Um, a navigator uh, picked me up at the airport. He brought me into the university, uh, New Hampshire, and he and I said to him, uh, I tried the navigator's topical memory system, but I could never do it. And he laughed. And I said, what are you laughing? He said, you've memorized five books of the Bible and you can't do our topical memory system. And I said, oh no, I could never memorize verses. You know, I never got the ice cream sundae at the Presbyterian church for memorizing those scriptures. But I can remember stories. And I can remember stories in the exact words of the eyewitnesses. And people mistake that for scripture memorization. And it's like, cool, okay, but I don't memorize, but I can remember stories. Oh. And those stories in the gospel, they are unforgettable. I mean, if, if you actually saw a withered hand become whole after Jesus said, stretch your hand out, would you ever forget that? Ever, ever. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. the actor trying to get into the experience and relive the experience imaginatively. Yeah. And I, I, as an actor, I've had to do that with fiction, you know, Shakespeare and right. So imagining myself into an eighth century Scottish king, you know, who sees a dagger floating in front of him, that's, that's hard, especially in Elizabethan language, you know. Uh, but imagining my way into a real event. I mean, the gospels actually happen. So I'm not making this up. I may fill in some details. What was the look on his face? How did he say that? But I'm not making up these facts. So to imagine myself into the story going, what if? What if I was there? What if I saw this? I mean, wow, that's an experience. Yeah. Kind of fun, interesting. And the words get as vivid as the images. Uh, some of the neurologists tell us uh, image is the language of memory. So if you take words and turn them into facts, verses, you know, John 3.16, that go, our brain puts that in a short-term file. Nine days, gone. But if you work with images, that goes deep in the memory, especially if you get emotional connections. Mm. and you know that from your own memories yeah wow yeah, yeah. fun absolutely brilliant i mean did, did did you ever you know were you ever on a stage in front of lots of people and you actually forgot what you you know <laughs> i mean does that happen uh, yes yeah. <laughs> and i'll tell you if i memorized words there would be a train wreck because people who memorize scripture verses if a word falls out, the whole thing, it's like, oh my goodness, what happens next? Yes. But if you remember images, your brain will come up with something, right? <laughs> it'll be the wrong word, but it'll be something because you're, you're describing images. You're describing a story, telling a story. Yeah. And then you get back on the rails. No you get big deal. And the story keeps going. <laughs> so hopefully most of the time that I've forgotten my lines, uh, you know, in a Shakespeare play, the classic actor joke is, hark, the cannons roar, you know? <laughs> That's the sign that the actor has forgotten their lines. But you can't do that in a one-man show with scripture, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you just keep the train going.
oh. and you get it back. Yeah. The words get back on track and it's, yeah. You, yeah, amazing, amazing. Now in the late 1980s and early 1990s, you appeared on Broadway uh, cast in Les Miserables. Right. Uh, what are your memories of that experience? Oh, great. It was a wonderful experience. Uh, I was understudying uh, two of the leads, Javert and Thenardier, and ha, about the second into the first year of the run, uh, Terry Mann had left Javert, and uh, his replacement, or maybe his replacement after, uh, wanted to do seven shows instead of eight, which is Garden of Eden for the understudy. Ha! So I went on, oh, a good 30 or 40 times. And for both of the roles, which was, uh, yeah, the high school dream come true, playing a lead in a Broadway musical early enough in the run that I could still invite the casting agents to see me do Javert on Broadway. Wow. <laughs> it happened a long time ago. Oh. Uh, but no, no pride. I still say I was on Broadway. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I would say that's the tennis equivalent of playing on the center court at Wimbledon. <laughs> there you go. That's, there you that's, go. Yeah. that's it. Amazing. Now, in 1996, you had been touring with Luke's Gospel, the Book of Acts, Philippians, the Tales of Tolstoy, and the Cotton Patch Gospel. Yeah. Uh, give us an idea of where you performed these. Uh, yeah, globally. I mean, um, all, all of the world, uh, Korea, Cambodia, Nepal, India, five countries in Africa. I live in Europe now, so I've performed a lot here. And uh, Brazil, not so much in South America generally, but a fair amount in Brazil, uh, Mexico, US and Canada, of course. Incredible. Yeah, Australia. So just- All over. All over. I haven't done. I haven't done the Arctic. <laughs> okay, that'll 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 have to wait. <laughs> wow, amazing! Now, have you performed in some extraordinarily and unusual places as well? Uh, um, I, I performed in a 12th century nunnery on the island of Iona in Scotland by candlelight. Uh, uh, two Anglican cathedrals in Cairo and Singapore. Uh, I performed under a grass hut in Zimbabwe in Africa. So yeah, lots of wonderfully unusual places. Uh, I, <laughs> I performed in a mall in the South of England. Uh, and I remember it so clearly because it was the very last mall I ever did. Jesus <laughs> did not raise his voice in the marketplace. And I found out why. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, any, any particularly memorable uh, performances out there that sort of stick in your mind? Well, um, not so much the performances themselves, so much as the results of them. Because the performances themselves, people say, you know, what was your favorite story? Or, and it's like, it changes night to night. Sometimes sometimes I can really see that 12-year-old prostitute with the tears running down her. I can really see it. And one time, a friend of mine who had seen it many times said that there was one time 
watching Bruce do this that I thought there was more than one person on stage. Mm. I thought, wow. And I said to him, that's true. There was. There was that little 12-year-old prostitute. Or tonight, I really saw that corpse that Jesus was talking to. So occasionally there are these wonderful moments of, oh my goodness. And when that happens, when the focus is really sharp, boy, the people just come in and they see what I see. It's a wonderful experience. But the results, uh, there was a president of an LGBT chapter on a campus who agreed to come to a performance, even though she hadn't had good experience with Christians. Yeah. And afterwards she came up to me and said, Bruce, Jesus is amazing. Oh. And I thought, oh boy, that was a good performance. Woo! You know? <laughs> and when I don't have great performances, when I, it's fine, it's fine. People say, oh, you're a wonderful actor. And that's great. But the really good ones are when people say, Jesus is amazing. Yeah. Or the pastor says, I will never read scripture the same way again. Yeah. Or, oh my goodness. You did that as if it really happened. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And for those listening, I, I had the privilege of watching um, Bruce in the summer uh, do part of Luke's gospel. And I have to say, it, uh, it, it is incredible. It is, it is absolutely amazing. Talk about bringing the scriptures to life, you know, t- taking them from black and white to color. And, and yeah, it, it's just, it, it's, it, it really is amazing. And Jesus is amazing, as you say. Um, has the Lord been gracious enough to let you know the impact of your work? Um, have you seen people come to faith um, as they've seen you speak out the word of God or does that not really happen I mean you do your performance and you move on I mean I, I guess you just leave that to the Lord to, for the Lord to do. do do you ever hear hear back at all people say well you know what I'm going to become a Christian because of what I've seen here oh really I've not seen it not seen it no I think God is hopefully protecting me yeah from the ego thing yeah but uh yeah Sure. Hopefully I'll find out when I actually meet him. Yeah. And I <laughs> I don't imagine there's been more impact than the reality. Yeah. 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 Oh. We'll yeah. But you're right. I, I tend to I throw the seed out yep. and I move on. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't I don't get to participate in the harvest much. No, no, sure, sure, sure. Now you also perform the gospel of Mark in the mm-hmm. Dutch, in the Dutch language, not the easiest uh-huh. of language. I no. mean, I mean, yeah, and in 2012. Uh, you also set up a teaching school called Word by Heart. Yes. So, so how did this come about? Oh boy, grace of God! I mean, I, I met a, a leader of Youth with a Mission, and after two two years later, he came to me with the Gospel of Mark memorized word for word, and we worked together for three intensive days. And he's wonderful. He's funny on stage and very comfortable but he memorized the scripture and he was reciting. He wasn't sharing a memory of an event. He was reciting really well. And his difficulty was that uh, he was putting people to sleep. After 20 minutes, they would go, wow, every word, that was terrific. Uh, you know, and their attention would go away and any pastor knows what that looks like and actors. Uh, so he came to me for theater tips, but it was like, nope uh the foundation is crooked 
you've built this foundation on memorizing words instead of remembering an event and how that changed. So I had him, I had him tell me a memory of something startling God had done. And what a difference. Oh, incredible storytelling. So two years later, he invited me to a performance at the big YWAM base. And the, the uh, Lauren Cunningham, the founder of Youth with a Mission, happened to be there at that performance because his plane to Korea was canceled that night. And he turned to Paul Childers and said, make a school out of this and break rules if you have to. <laughs> and uh, he's, he did that. And now it's 10 years later and uh, Word by Heart has trained thousands of people in their own languages. Uh, there was a school in Hyderabad, India, and our students, we had to change the schedule because all our students worked as software developers during the day. So at six in the morning and at eight o'clock at night, we had class and they learned it in Telugu. And they would run off on Sundays to the churches they started and tell the stories from that week. And of course, after they told the stories, they could talk about the cultural realities and the intricacies, because that's all we did all week, was you have to understand the memory. So, of course, they could talk about what was really going on beyond just the simple words of scripture. So it was an amazing experience. Mm. Yeah. So, so word, word by heart um, is, is now what, in, in many different countries, would you say? Oh, my goodness. I've lost count. Five in India, uh, at least five countries in in uh, Africa. Uh, we have several bases in Europe, uh, and a base will do one course a year, you know. Until now, we've had ten or fifteen people, varieties of languages. I've heard the gospel in so many different languages, but we're all working on, for instance, Martha and Mary that week. So whether it's in German or Swedish or Telugu or some Nigerian uh, language, Hausa, or, you know, I can follow it if the student has their images vivid enough. Yeah. I know exactly where they are. It's yeah. wonderful. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, um, I believe there's a story about a 76-year-old student who... Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Owens. Great guy. <laughs> Briefly. Ha. Uh, he didn't say a word the first day of class. Late Tuesday afternoon, he finally said to me, um, I'm, I'm just off a plane from India. I'm going to be jet lagged for two weeks. I can't remember where I put my keys. And I'm going to learn a whole gospel word for word. <laughs> and I said, give us till Friday. And on Friday, it wasn't just he remembered the words, word for word, people do that. It's that his life experience came through the words. So we had happened to work on uh, uh, Peter's denial, where Jesus said to his, maybe his best friend, before the cock crows twice, you will have denied me three times. And I'd done that story for years, but I never heard it like that. And half of us were in tears. Because this man had been deeply, deeply betrayed in his life. And he brought that through the words. And all of us were like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. 
And it was exact words of scripture, just like every other student, but not like this. Mm. It was profound. No, goodness me. That, that really is amazing. That really is. Now, you are, you are used to being on your feet, out and about. Mm. And I understand you were going on an outward bound glacier hike once. <clears throat> ah, yes. And one minute you had a hernia, and the next minute you didn't have a hernia. Yeah, so funny how, that. That, how does that work? Yeah, yeah. Well, I had two doctor's appointments. The first one diagnosed a hernia, and I said, could I get a second opinion? And he's like, well, you can't misdiagnose a hernia. It's, it's a hole, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's there. There's no, but sure, okay, yeah. Uh, so the next Monday, the, do the next doctor said, you don't have a hernia. <laughs> Who told you you did? And I gave the name and the, and the doctor said, I, I know that doctor, he's excellent, just a moment. And he went and called up this other doctor and they talked for a while and he comes out and he said, you had a hernia on Friday and you don't have one now. And we don't have an explanation. And I didn't tell him that the day before on Sunday, some crazy charismatics had prayed complete healing for me. And I was like, oh yeah, great, thanks a lot guys. And that happened. So God is amazing. Oh, amazing. Uh, that, that is amazing. I mean, and yeah, it must have been. I mean, the fact that you're you are in your acting and and your 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 yeah, you're acting out the gospels and and you're you're talking about the healing and you're vis visualizing the healing and then it happens to you. Oh my goodness! Yeah, because there is a sort of. Ooh, that happened a long time ago and he yeah. doesn't do that now and yeah. oh boy he does that now and yeah. why why don't my prayers have that effect you know <laughs> uh and sometimes they do on a very low level yeah, yeah. somebody will you know my wife told me about a, a friend i prayed for these friends migraines and she hasn't had a migraine since then and it's like wow god is amazing i clearly do not have healing powers ah but occasionally god will say yeah okay i'm going to do this and other times not yeah and i, I just told a friend a friend in germany you know i will i will put in my prayer requirement for good weather for you this week but i gotta tell you i know god loves me but he doesn't always do what i say <laughs> hmm. yeah oh yeah that's because we're not God. <laughs> I've noticed that, Nigel. <laughs> yes. Oh, now in 2010, you were all set to move back from the Netherlands, where uh, you moved yeah. to live with your with your Dutch wife Hetty, um, where you were living, and to go back to live in the US. Had it all planned, uh, and then something happened at a conference you were at. <laughs> I mean, so this is you, 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 you're, you're planning to go, you're all sorted, you know, your heart's moved back to the US, but so what happened? Oh man, well, I mean, before that, everything gets soaked in prayer, of course. So I was feeling super peaceful about it. Doors were flying. Oh, I mean, there was a church we'd already picked. We had talked to real estate agents. The Euro was doing especially well against the dollar. We could buy two houses for the price of our one. Wow, this is great. But a whole bunch of factors 
And it was like, yeah, this is a go. And then I go to this missions conference in the States and this bizarre set of circumstances happen. You know, I'm in a, a conference hall in St. Louis, Missouri, and somebody calls out to me in Dutch. Hoi, Bruce, who is it? And it's like, what? I'm hearing Dutch in the U.S. I don't hear Dutch in the U.S. And it turns out to be a guy from Belgium who says, yeah, we could really use you south of the of the Dutch border here in Catholic Belgium. And yeah, just a whole series of things happen, doors opening and closing. And yeah, it's a bit of a story, but eventually I was convinced to put it back on the table. And at the end of a week of fasting, I got this thought, very loud thought that wasn't my own that said, uh, yeah, sure. You want to move to the States? That's fine. You want to transfer? I can use you there. No big deal. And I'll bless your work there. But if you want to do what, how I could use you best, dot, dot, dot. And it was like, wow, what, uh, yeah, what else? But it was still my choice. And either way would go fine. So it was a very gentle kind of, I'm treating you like an adult child. You make the choices. But if you want some wisdom or how I can use you. So I, so we ended up staying in Holland and uh, within a couple of months, IFDS in Holland took me on a 12 city tour with Het Evangelie von Marcus because they were handing out Dutch Bibles after the performances and it worked out really well. And then 2010, was when I met Paul Childers, which was the opening of the Word by Heart schools. Wow. And if I had gone to America, wow. I would have gotten Luke bookings in churches and been pretty well paid and all that. But I would never have met Paul Childers. And one of my early students, I was lamenting how, you know, why wasn't I a successful actor? And this guy from Cameroon, he laughed and said, Bruce, if you were a successful actor, you would never be volunteering your time with youth with a mission. And it was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's that. And my think, life has been so blessed. By I, I think that's fascinating. I, I think what's fascinating, because I can, I, can, I, I, I can relate to what you're talking about, about having an idea and a plan and, and having it all fixed. And... And it takes a lot to rewind that and not do that plan. Oh, boy. And, and so it's going to solve multiple problems that didn't end up getting solved. Living in another country is problematic. <laughs> but but what I'm so I'm thinking of people listening to this, uh, having right. I've got a plan. I'm going to do this. Yes, 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 yes. But then having the humility Mm. And the sensitivity of ear and sight to think, well, maybe I haven't got this all worked out, and maybe I need to go mm. back to the drawing board. I mean, that is really because so often we can we can come up with these plans. Say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm not mm. listening. I've made up my mind. I'm going to do it. But you didn't do that. You you didn't you you were you were sensitive enough to say, okay, maybe maybe I've got this wrong. And so how, how would you, how, how would you, 
what would you say to someone that, that's in that position? I mean, maybe, well, I, they, maybe they felt, they felt, right, I'm just going to do this. And it's for the Lord. And it's... But right, right. Well, sometimes God honors our initiative for him. It's a volunteer army, you know. But, and I appreciate your interpretation, ha, but I'm so humble and sensitive. But it felt like it took a major rap on the side of the head to go, um, I'm, you're not that important in the kingdom, but I could use, use you better over here. I mean, that took, that took a lot to get me to that place. Yeah. And I, at the beginning of the week of fasting and prayer, I got this little, so do you really want to know? Dot, dot, dot. And it was like, huh, uh, yes. <laughs> Aren't you going to tell me now? Do we have to wait till the end of the week? And it's like, I, I wish I could hear God better. And I still assume in faith that it was the living God speaking to me. But I'm surrounded by a lot of people who say, well, God told me. And it was like, ah, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, I'd be picking up my rock right now. <laughs> Because if you say God told me and it turns out not to happen, I get to stone you. <laughs> right? So I'm very hesitant about the creator of the universe speaking to me personally. Uh, and maybe that's a, a lack of faith. Maybe that's a blockage I have. I don't know. But I think, so, I think the key, what you said there was, was prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. You know, I mean, you were taking this very seriously. Very. I mean, this is life path. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I take and other I, things more seriously. And yeah. how great gracious God was. Yeah, you can go, but actually I can probably use you better over here. I mean, that that is that is really and this but it's your choice, you know. Yeah. yeah. And that's Adult just children. how how gracious our, our God is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um this podcast is called uh The Bible and Me. Um uh -huh. and so uh, I mean we've been talking quite a lot about the word of God. Um, but why is the word of God important to you? Oh, boy. Okay. All right. I think it's Psalms. I'm not good with chapter and verse that says even a child is known by its actions. Okay. All right. That's actually how you think about it. That's how we get to know people. Politicians say all sorts of things, but what do they do? You know, that's how we really know a person by what they do matching up with their words. So I'm thinking if God wants to make himself known to human beings, he wouldn't come and give us a, a three-point sermon. He would let himself be known. And sure enough, Jesus, the word of God, became a human being and he acted. He made things happen so eyewitnesses could see them and talk about them. So we came into the city called Nain and Jesus was talking to a corpse. What? Yeah, he was talking to a corpse. And then he put his hand on the coffin. He purposely defiled himself as a rabbi. Okay, Moses said three feet away from a corpse. All right, he put his hand on. The... And then he said, get up. And the kid came back to life. And the result of this action is all sorts of people from rabbis to disciples to, you know, kids in poverty to uh, rich people saying, who is this? Who is this? How do his words match up with his action? Did he really rise from the dead? 
is that true? <laughs> Who is this? Mm. And a really good friend of mine, uh, a guy who studied in the Vatican, you know, as a Catholic deacon, he, yeah, I asked him, who do you say Jesus is? And he said, Gandhi with a legend. Is that who he is? Then he certainly didn't rise from the dead. No, no, that's just a legend. Ah, did he raise people from the dead? No, no, that's just, you know, those healing stories that people make up. Ah, yeah. Well, if I tell these stories, you know, and a pastor in the south of Holland, he said, well, you know, this resurrection stuff, he doesn't actually, you know, nobody actually rises from the dead. There's no such thing as an afterlife. And I said to him, well, interesting, uh, Jesus disagreed with you. Some religious scholars were talking about that. And, and he said, no, actually, you are, uh, I, I have the verse in Dutch, so I can, you know, you've been fakird. <laughs> you know. Uh, actually, people do rise from the dead, and they're not going to be married. They're going to be like angels. And God talking to Moses, he said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Not I was when they were alive. Mm. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. Yeah. It's like, whoa! That's Jesus' words. Mm. And then he backs it up by raising people from the dead and raising himself. Because mm. Lazarus died mm. and the kid from Nain died, but Jesus is still alive. Oh my goodness. And all of this is through the word of God. Mm. Yeah. That's the only way we know about the actions of God as a human on the on the earth. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that's a revelation to 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 lots of people. I've had conversations with people in the past and and, you know, you may say to them, oh, you know, what's your understanding of God? And they'll say, oh, this guy with a big beard on a fluffy cloud. And right, 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 right. And, and I said, well, have you ever have you ever imagined that God actually became a man? And they look at me a little bit startled. I said, no. I mean, and, and if he did become a man and you were able to read about what he did, then you'd get a, a pretty good insight into who God was and, and how he treats people. And, that, and they look yeah. at me. I said, well, yeah. and and." I believe that actually happened, and the guy's name is Jesus. You know, <laughs> and and I think it's so sad in our in our modern day that mm. that, that what I just said there is a revelation to people. They just don't know that God became a human being and lived among us, and yep. and you know we can find out about God by reading about Jesus. And I think, I think and this Bible has become this religious thing. Uh, I did a performance in Florida, and. After the show, I make a stupid joke about, you know, there are free scripts available <laughs> tonight's show, you know, and all the Christians are like, yeah, yeah, Bible, yeah, yeah. but the non-Christians don't know that. So this student went back to the book table at IFES at University and said, Bruce said there were free scripts. And she opens a Bible to the Gospel of Luke and kind of, and this, this student said, you mean that was the Bible? <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 fantastic fantastic now i usually ask people at this point in the podcast what is their favorite bible book and, and i'm guessing in your case it's the book of luke would that would good I, guess would i be yeah. right would i be it was right? first love uh it's it's 
perfect for the stage. Uh, just like Mark, it's just short stories, boom, boom, boom. Uh, incredibly vivid imagery. Uh, yeah, unlike me, not too many words. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. So Book of Luke, what about a favorite verse? No, that's yeah. tough, that's tough. Uh, I actually don't do verses because uh, 400 years ago, they broke it up into chapters and verses and gave them numbers and stuff. So, and that's all great, but I, I'm just not good with modern technology. <laughs> so, so I do stories instead okay. of verses. Okay, do you have a favorite story then? I'll let you off. Ah. You're the first guy I've ever interviewed. I've allowed you off and not to have a favorite verse. <laughs> that's funny, yeah. No, uh, favorite story. You know, it, it does vary per night in terms of presenting. Sometimes I told you that 12 year old prostitute really, I mean, I, in my imagination, I gave her the face of my 12 year old little girl. So that emotional sort of, oh, you sweet thing. You were sold into prostitution when you were nine years old and you feel filthy and defiled being used by these men these three years. But I'm telling you, the living God looks at you as the purest, most innocent virgin. Everything has been forgotten. You are clean and pure. And her, her seeing, oh my goodness, the forgiveness and what that means to her. Now, sometimes that's really vivid. And sometimes other stories are really vivid. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Um, so as we come into land on this podcast, um, what's next for Bruce Kuhn? Huh. <laughs> yeah. And how, and you know, how can we pray for you? Wow. Really good question. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the verge of taking that back into fasting and prayer because I, I mentioned a month ago, I would have said, yeah, word by heart schools, you know, traveling all over the world and it's been great and just got it invitation from the Philippines, from a, a school in Cebu, uh, and I may end up going, but uh, I'm just back from a big base, a YWAM base, where we have 90 students for the first time and 30 teachers, and not all of them are my students. Some of them are students of my students. 10 years we've been working on this, and it was a little intimidating how qualified they are. They really get this. And it's not me. It doesn't have anything to do with me anymore. It's like, Bruce, we love you. Great stuff. But I get this big time. And I can teach other people. And, I, and they're excellent storytellers. People are good storytellers when the material is good. <laughs> Tell students, you're going to you're gonna get a lot of credit for good material. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Oh. So where, where from now? Uh, I honestly, I think my role as the match starting the forest fire is, I mean, I can keep with this forest fire for the rest of my life. There are always things to do in a ministry situation, but I wonder if there's something else, if there's other ways. I've been thinking, I have not done Het Evangelie van Marcus in Dutch very much in this country because it's very relational and I've been out of the country for 10 years, you know, and I'm thinking maybe it's now it's time to turn local mm. and 
do Marcus in more local churches, fill in pastors. Uh, in this country, at least, we still have an hour a week in the public schools for spiritual direction. So what if I would go in and just tell stories to yeah. the kids? Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Kids love stories. Adults love stories. So yeah, pray that my ears get unwaxed and open. And I, that if I, there is another direction. Yeah. Yeah. I can I can sense I can sense another requirement for a week of prayer and fasting coming up. Oh man. This is like uh, th this is scary stuff. I'm an actor. I'm a practitioner. I don't know how to teach this stuff, but I had to. And then I had to teach teachers how to teach. Yeah. It's like, I can't do that. And now I'm wondering next level, whether I need to raise funds, start a nonprofit, <laughs> go to these foundations and say, look, I have students that need money. I mean, the, the, the guys in Telugu, in, in Hyderabad, 20 American dollars per week would more than feed their families. And they could go to different churches and tell the gospel word for word in Telugu every single week. They could spread out all, I mean, oh my goodness, 20 bucks a week. But maybe I'm the one that needs to, right. You get the idea. <laughs> hey, Bruce, we are, we've landed. We've landed and I just, um, wow. I just want to say, wow. Um, you know, incredible, incredible. You know, growing up in the States and, and then um, just like God touching, a, you know, lighting a spark, which which set you on this whole journey of um, discovery and giving you the gift to not memorize scripture, but but remember images, which, yeah. which and, and the places you've been and the people that you've ministered to and the word's gone forth, hasn't it? The word's gone yeah. forth. And it hasn't returned empty. It has not oh, returned empty. Um, what an incredible, incredible journey. And so, you know, thank you for, you know, you put your life on the altar um, and said, Lord, use me. And, and he has used you in the most incredible and continues to use you. And I love what you're saying about, you know, Jesus said, go make disciples that make disciples. And you, you're making disciples that are going to make disciples. And that's what's going on. And you, you, in a sense, you can't control it, which is great. It's yeah. you, know, you can't control the kingdom. Um, yeah. God's God's taking these people, and the passion and the the ability that you've got, you passed on to others, who then passed it on to others. So you've got spiritual great grandkids, um, yeah. as as a result of the Word by Heart ministry. And I mean, so exciting, um, amazing, amazing. So. A huge thank you for um, coming on the podcast today. It was a blessing to meet you in the summer. And um, I would just encourage you to press on and mm, just, you. you know, just go on blessing people with what you do. So thank you so yeah. much. And also for regular people like me out there, I mean, having, you know, done the Broadway thing and having the career track and then suddenly saying to god one day uh could you maybe use an actor who really can't do anything but acting have you got a place for me and he found a place for me he did and regular people don't yeah don't diminish yourself ask god have you got something for me to do 
and it could be a neighbor. It could be your own kids. <laughs> you know, boy, parents, what a great ministry. Yeah. But uh, man, don't underestimate God by underestimating yourself. Yeah, and I think I think I think what's so important to, to me, and I know to you too, is is the centrality of the Word of God here. I mean, absolutely. God called you to 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 do what you're doing. God called Molly and myself to do teaching the Bible in a different way uh, yeah. through, through the ministry of precept, um, giving people the skills to study it and learn it that way. Yeah. Uh, it's different. It's, it's different. Um, but um, yeah, so so hey, listen. I would encourage those listening to you check out Bruce Kuhn uh, on YouTube and others, um, and get in touch with him, and um, be blessed by by the skills that he has. Um, and um, and if you want skills to study the Word of God um, through what we call inductive Bible study, then please get in touch with Precept. Uh, Precept. Precept. Wonderful stuff. Nigel, my goodness. Well, yeah, precepts in many countries around the world. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's connecting you with the God of the Bible through his word. I think that's the key, isn't it? That is the key. So please get in touch. We'd love to help you. And uh, Bruce, once again, you're a star. <laughs> ah, thanks. And thank you so much. Thanks, Nigel.